0: The Block Talk podcast started because of my passion for the property management industry. I wanted to start a conversation and add some value within the industry with a diverse range of people and professionals who can add something extra. As we start out, my aim is that the podcast offers some useful insight into a variety of views, opinions, thoughts, and foresights from our guests who include business leaders and industry experts. If you enjoy the podcast and want to find out any other information, head on over to BrianWelsh.co.uk. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Block Talk Podcast with me, Brian Welsh and Jax Bruce. Hi, Jax. How are you?
1: Hi. I'm good. So you're right.
0: Yes, I'm very well. Okay, so this is this is our first um foray into video into for our first video interview. We thought we would interview me for our leadership um series. Um, it's coming up to the end of the year, and um I've wanted to do this one. Um, but we've just had so many other people who wanted to be on the podcast and other people who um who agreed to come on that um we delayed this one. So, um, so, Jax, I think you're interviewing me today.
1: I am indeed, yes. So, today, as part of our We Talk Leadership series, we're turning the tables on the host um, of the Block Talk podcast and chatting to Brian Welsh. Brian is the MD of CPL Software, BlockWorks and Inspect, and is an exec director for a legal software firm. Brian and the team have been providing software solutions to the property management industry for over 10 years now. Almost 12, is it?
0: Yes, it is. we started, started 2010.
1: 2021, yeah. So almost 13, actually. Then. Yep. Yeah, and uh, Brian is also a Clifton Strengths coach, which we'll talk a little bit about today as well. So, hi, Brian. <laughs> are, you, are you all right?
0: Yes, I'm good. I'm very well. I'm very well. Good. I don't. I'm, I'm not a great fan of video, but but hey, here we yeah. go.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, most of it will be going out on the usual channels anyway, just as um, audio, mm-hmm. um, and then we'll use snippets for social media. So, yeah, I wish
0: I'd shaved this morning anyway, but never mind.
1: Yeah, I was thinking that too. <laughs> <laughs> so to kick things off then, tell us about your leadership style.
0: Okay, so this is um, this is something that I'm, I'm actually quite passionate about um, because – In the beginning of my career, the leadership style that I um, was exposed to, and, and, you know, things have moved on a lot, but the management styles that I was exposed to, and and, and not necessarily just who I worked for, but businesses I worked with as well, or um, I, I, you know, it was... It was not the nicest place in the world to be, yeah. And I think people have moved on a lot. And and I think my early experiences kind of made me want to be different in the way that I deal with 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 leadership. So from my point of view, you you do not employ people and then tell them what to do. You employ people who are good at what they do, are experts in what they do. You give them a kind of clear line of sight. And 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 let them get on with their job. But yes, you've got to KPI them, and yes, you've got to you've got to um, look at whatever their tasks and priorities and where we want to be by the end of a month or a quarter or whatever. But it's not about micromanaging people. It's about letting people do their job and let them make mistakes as well. Because if you don't let people make mistakes, then then they're never going to learn. You know. So you've got to let them fail. And you know, you okay, you've got to make sure that you um. You got to make sure that um, you you have something in place so that if they if they if they do fail, you can you can pick it up again. But I mean, I, over the years, I've had various kind of different um, different ways to deal with this. So in in um, in one of or in a in a role that I had where I or I've had recently when 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 I had a, a kind of direct report. We, we had a great rule, okay, and we we put this together, and it was like a contract, I don't know where I got this from, I think I got it from the one-minute manager, the monkey edition, and, and effectively, we had a contract between each other, and there were certain things that this person could do, and we had that written down in our contract, this, this is the stuff you can do without asking me, okay, and this is the stuff you need to ask me, and and it, it and it's it's dead easy to put these things together. You know, I mean, if, depending on what size of business you are, I guess um, we had things. So if there was anything financial, um, then up to a certain limit, no problem at all. You can just fill your boots. Anything above there, you need to talk to me. So so I, my leadership style kind of um, is a moving. I guess it's quite dynamic in the fact that the, the um or flexible, I should say, probably. In the, you know, depending on who I'm dealing with, we'll structure a, a contract of how we how we interact, and that way, these whoever they are um, know what they're allowed to do, and um, and know what they ask, what they need to ask. So, but from my point of view, I mean. <laughs> You don't employ people and then tell them what I do you know, you employ people who are who are better than you. Um someone I can't remember what book. I know we're gonna come on to books at the end, and I've read dozens of them, but um I read one, make yourself the dumbest person in the room was a phrase in this book. And it was, you know, why what, why what, what, I mean I love the sound of my own voice. Yeah. I mean it's it, it comes out of my Clifton Strength assessment, and you know, anyone who knows me will will say that. And um but you know, just stay quiet. Make yourself the dumbest person in the room. Let everyone else get on with their job. That's kind yeah. of where I come from.
1: So, uh, kind of being an observer almost, and stepping in when you need to, I guess. And
0: yeah, and and you need people to grow. You know, and they're never going to grow if you're if you're always on top of them and and micromanaging them. And I and I, I, I just yeah, yeah. It's just it's just not my style. Don't get me wrong. I mean. Things can fail, and then you you look at them and you 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 deal with it, and mm-hmm. and and you maybe reassess and 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 um, and kind of realign what those rules are. But you've got to do it to make um m- make it as easy as easy as it is for people to progress in their career. Another the thing I really love, and it was um, it was Crawford that introduced me to this, and that's called that's Racy. So Racy. Um, template for our business so within this business we know who's responsible for everything who's accountable for everything who needs to be informed of everything um, and who needs to be consulted got those last two the wrong way around um, so and that helps as well to make decisions so i mean you know i started cpl there was three of us there 12 13 years ago that was two of us 12 13 years ago when we started one doing software one doing tech practically and and now there's things that I just don't need to know about, yeah. But as long as I know that they're being dealt with, and there's there's a method to how they're being dealt with, then 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 yeah, just let everyone, let people get on with their job.
1: Yeah, I guess it's um, leadership style is going to change as the leader changes, and also the environment changes, and being adaptable, it's isn't it and that's going to change as, as our business grows as well, I suppose, isn't it? No,
0: I, I, absolutely. I mean, uh, traditional, traditional leadership styles were very much kind of authoritarian in my in, – certainly in my experiences of a number of different companies. And, you know, it just doesn't need to be like that, you know. Yeah. People don't want to come into work and get bullied and, and, and go home thinking they don't want to be there. I mean, I read an article the other day about um, – the amount of people, I can't remember what the percentage is, so I've got this wrong. I can't remember. It was, it, was, it was a number of Sundays ago, and it was talking about the fear on a Sunday night that people experience stress and anxiety about having to go to work the next day. Um, and I have to say, and okay, I, there's probably periods in my career where I have experienced that, but I also believe, and I, I said this to someone the other day, and they told me I was talking um, BS, but if you if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. I mean, I don't even think of work as work. I think of it more as, yeah, it's just I love doing it. It's something I really enjoy. And, and okay, I enjoy downtime and stuff like that as well. But but um, it, it, it's very much to me that you've got to enjoy it. If you're not, you spend half your life in, in work, why would you not enjoy it? Yeah, yeah.
1: Cool. And you touched on Clifton Strengths there. So, um, has learning about Clifton Strength influenced your leadership style at all?
0: Um, yeah, very much so. So, uh, and this was one thing that someone once said to me, and I, and I never, and, I, and I've, I've never forgot it. Um, people wake up every day and think they're the same as everyone else. You know what I mean? And they're not. You're, every single person on this planet is completely unique. Um, I mean, there are thirty-four Clifton Strengths. Um, you have your top five and your top 10. Your top five is your absolute go-tos and your top 10 are as well. I mean, your your, your six through 10 are as well. And as you go further down Clifton, um, you become, you get to stuff that's your, what's called lesser strengths. Um, And I never realized this. I just thought everyone was the same. And once you actually get to realize these sort of things, you then deal with people in a different way. And, and you support them as well. So, so there are four. There are four um, uh, domains in Clifton. There's strategic thinking. There is execution. There's relationships, people and relationships, and influencing. And Jax, you'll not. This will be no surprise to you, and no surprise to anyone in this office. People and relationships. <laughs> they don't happen with me. It's just not me. It's just it's just you don't they're they're blue in Clifton. And I don't think you see one until about seventeen in my profile, which means it's just not happening for me. So I have to have people within my organization and my circle who can deal with that sort of stuff. You know what I mean, so what what is what does success look like? To me, it's about it's about growth. It's about um, innovation, it's about money, it's about cash. You ask Crawford that question: What success looked like? Happy customers, happy staff. Yeah, two entirely different. Same same business, same business, same um, same company, same direction, but two entirely different things. So you've got to have those people. and And it was explained to me in a in a, in a different way. You know, someone comes up and says, "Shall we do this new thing?" Um, yes, great, let's do it. Well, how much money are we going to make and, and how much better for our clients is this going to make and how many much efficiency can we think? And then someone says, How do you think the staff are going to feel about that? And everyone's sitting there looking at them, going, Of course we care, but it's just not our go to. So that's why you've Clifton's all about having, having a whole raft of different strengths within a team. There is no, and in fact, when I was introduced to Clifton, um, the first time I was introduced to it, I was introduced to by someone who said, here's my top five. I'm employing people who are as close to that as if they were the de facto brilliant thing in the world. And it's like, no. And then of course my business coach then introduced me to it. And he's like, "Mm, that's just rubbish, Brian. You know, the whole point of it is that you get people with different strengths in your team. So I tend to sit, um, around the, um, strategy and influencing um domains um people doesn't really happen execution does to a certain degree but certainly not as as much as the as the other ones which and and that means i need people who do and i need people who understand relationships now that doesn't mean that i can't have a relationship i mean you know you're influencing um themes within the influencing domain as well can help you kind of Build rapport and, and and these sort of things, and 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 influence decisions, and 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 make business acquaintances, and and and, and these sort of things, and, and and relationships with personal life as well. It's just that that the whole how does something affect somebody is just not the first thing that comes to my head. Um, so yeah, I, I find it. I find it. Um, amazingly useful. And in fact, I don't use it enough. I mean, the other day we were having a chat. I was having a chat with one of um, my fellow directors in another business. We were talking about why people weren't learning from things that had happened before. You just need to pull up that team. And everybody's, practically everybody in the team has got futuristic, which means they're all thinking about the future, yeah? And, And the context theme within Clifton is the one, where people look behind to see what's happened. So you either look, well, don't either, you can have both, but but context about looking into the past and um making decisions based on that. Futuristics very much about, about just looking into the future. Um nobody had context. So you know, they're not even looking at it behind. I work I worked for a company once that had about four MDs in the three years that I was there. And every MD came in and said, right, we're going to do this. Um, and we were like, Ooh, we've done that before and didn't work. Nobody's going to work with me. Yeah, every single one of them. And it's like, so I doubt any of them had context. Um, because, the, you know, you, you need to look back, analyse, see what worked, and you need to learn from it. So yeah. and that whole look back and learn thing. But, yeah, Clifton... Clifton fascinates me utterly. We Clifton strength anybody before we employ to see where they'll fit into the business and how they'll fit into the business. Um, we Clifton teams so that we look at um, how the team dynamic um, um, will, will work. In fact, in a few weeks' time, I'm running Clifton team sessions with my Insight business, with my Insight Legal Software um, business, um, just to see how people interact and to see where possibly there are things missing, um, you know, and if there are things missing, how do we how do we do that? So I am not a detail person in any way, shape, or form. I'm not an overly organized person. Um, so I, I have an assistant who who organizes me and, and and deals with these sort of things, and that's my support. Yeah. So you don't need to find people or systems to support you.
1: So. Yeah. Yeah. So you touched on the sort of differences between you and Crawford and how they probably, I would then say, complement each other. Does this influence the culture at CPL Software? What is the culture at CPL Software?
0: Okay, so we, you know, our employees are the the bedrock of our organisation. You know, I mean, finding talent in this country at the moment is extremely, extremely difficult. Um, And we try our best to to build a culture and environment where our, our staff can, uh, our team can learn and they can grow and, and these sort of things. And, and it's actually been made massively more difficult um, in the last um, two or three years with remote working because we had, we had two offices up until COVID, um, one, in, um, one in Glasgow and one in Southampton, well, CPL did. Um, everyone went to the office every day um, you know, you 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 built rapport, you built friendship, you built all these things. Nowadays, we have people scattered around the country who don't have an office. And we still have our two offices. Glasgow is used, I mean Glasgow's just today, and so are you, Jack, but in a different room. Um, you know, we 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 use our Glasgow office Tuesdays and Thursdays, Southampton is a is a is a storage room practically at the moment. So, you know, even if even if the world went back to the office. There's a number of people in our organization who just couldn't because they don't live anywhere near one of our offices. So, that being the case, you've got to you've got to have ways to keep people connected. Okay, so so we we have a meeting with them within our organization. We we huddle every morning, so everyone huddles in, in this organization every single day. Talks about um, how their day went the previous day, what they've got on that day, if they've got any stucks. Um, and you know anything else they want to chat about Don't, doesn't take a huge amount of time and and the whole point of this is so that everyone gets an interaction with uh, the teammate during the day but also is so that if we have any challenges within our business um, that basically escalates up the business by 9:45 every morning. If there's a challenge if there's a problem, it is discussed by 9:45 in the morning. So, um, that helps us keep on top of what's going on. But I'd say it's a friendly kind of place. You know, nobody's, you know, it, 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 it's, a, it, it's, it's not a place where there's a huge amount of um, bad language. Well, no, there's a lot of bad language, but all in jest. Um, there's not a lot of place where there's a lot of kind of um, aggression or anything like that. It's a very friendly place to work, but, but, but very challenging as well. Um, you know, we, we do challenge um, and we we, we we make sure people challenge as much as they can. Um, and I, I guess we try and make it motivational as well, you know, make sure people um, know where they're going. Um, we understand what people want out of their career um, and we talk to them about it because, you know, having getting, I mentioned earlier, Getting good talent is really, really, really difficult, and you know there's this thing called A players, which we, which, which I've, I've touched on in, on previous um, things we've discussed, um, in other podcasts. And you know, a, a definition of an A player is the top ten percent um, of a given job in a given location for a given salary, ten percent of people. Okay, now having A players across your business is 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 difficult to to get and and you know you can you can grow towards it, um, but if you put someone who's not very good or is toxic within um, within an environment where you get a players and you tolerate that, the good guys will just leave because they they don't want to they you know if they're sitting beside someone who's being paid or they their perceptions are being paid the same and they're not as good, so. One thing that we do, or one thing I try to do, and I'm probably not very good at this. One thing I try to do is fail fast. If someone is no good or they're toxic, they don't belong in your business. They, do you know, at the end of the day, there's a place for them somewhere. It's just maybe not with within your business. So I would say um, fail fast. I can't remember. I always thought this was Steve Jobs. I don't know if it was. It was someone else with, maybe with an apple who said, better have a hole in an asshole, meaning... Better have an open hire than having someone in there that that's toxic. Um so so it is a I mean, there's only there's only sixteen, seventeen people in in CPL. So you've got to have a team that works and 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 can work together. Um so yeah, I would I would say that's probably what we're striving for.
1: Cool. Great. So, moving on to the more sort of client side of things, um, equal business stature is a phrase that I've been hearing a lot about lately, um, and I've been doing a bit of work around it as well. Uh, can you tell us about it and how and how and why CPL is adopting this model?
0: Okay. So, so this this phrase was introduced to me by a guy who who's our head of sales in Insight, a guy called Josh Dalwell. And and Josh Josh introduced me to it because he one of one of our biggest challenges at Insight up a couple of years ago before Josh joined was that we would get um, demos booked, and I think we had about a thirty percent um, a thirty percent. Um, not turning up rate for demos, which is pretty high. You know, if you're doing 10 demos a week and three people don't turn up for it, that's pretty high. You've you've prepped for that demo, you've done everything for that demo. And then you do the demo and then you you say to the client, right, I'll call you next week. And then you call the client the or the prospect, sorry, you call the prospect the following week. And um, they don't answer the phone. You email them and they don't answer. You've given this person two, three, four hours of your of your time and then you don't even get a response. And that to me is unacceptable. You know, you know, this is uh, the business that we're in is very much about solution selling. It's very much about helping our clients. It's not about selling software. Just software is just the, 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 the thing that allows you to provide the service to that client. And that is a two way street, yeah? Um, so just because you're being paid by someone does not mean that they can treat you badly. And, 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 and I find myself in this. So I, I emailed someone the other week. Um, I needed some wood for my fence and I emailed them to ask them if they had any wood and then how much it was. And they got me the price and I then didn't respond to them. And two or three days later, I got a chaser, and I made sure I responded. Because I had that guy go do a whole lot of work for me to work out this price. He sent it to me. I didn't bother even replying. Now, okay, I was I was busy, but that's no excuse, yeah? You have to – equal business stature to me is you have an equal standing in a relationship no matter who's the client and who's the supplier, and you have to act with respect for each other. Um, and, in fact, one of my clients, who I'll not mention his name because he – God, he has mentioned on our podcast he has a he has a phrase he has a phrase where everybody's a client okay now that is whether and, and, and he means whether they are a client whether they're a team member whether they're a director whether they're a supplier or contract or whatever you want to call them they should all be treated in exactly the same way and that is a form of EBS for me yeah um, so yeah I just I just think I just think that the days of of, of of treating a, a supplier in a in a in a non-respectful manner should be gone. Yeah, there should be a huge amount of respect, but in business and in uh, well in, in life actually, but, but 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 specifically for this subject in business. Um, and I think personally that that if you if you manage to get EBS, you 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 create a a relationship. That is, this hugely beneficial to both parties. Yeah, but I mean, if it's the the the, the opposite to that is just transactional. You, I want to buy something from you. Okay, you can buy something from me. There you go. I really don't care. They don't care. How's that benefiting anybody? Yeah, you know, if if you have EBS, you know, you're, you're uh, us as a as a, a service provider are going to. Do everything that we can to make your life better and your business better, and if we do that as a partnership, then then I I think the outcome can only be infinitely better than 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 if it was transactional.
1: Yeah. Cool. And what's one thing you wish you had known when you began your career?
0: Um, I wish I'd known that ninety percent of the country is just winging it. Yeah. <laughs> Because they are you know I, I I don't know I just remember my my father was a a, a very or is a very or was in business anyway um a very reserved professional kind of person and and I just believed the whole world was like that and I believed that you know I don't know it was just I had this belief and then you get into business and you work for people and 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 you just have this. Um, this mindset that they they know everything and they know what they're doing and all of these sort of things and yeah they you know 90% of them don't I mean hell you know everyone's learning everything's a school day you know I just wish I'd known that in the beginning Um, I mean I'm not suggesting that I would maybe have done anything differently if I'd known that but I wish I'd known that in the beginning.
1: That's what I was just going to say. What would you have done differently if you had not done that? I remember speaking to a guy
0: who was an accountant, sorry, finance director for a building surveying. And, and I, I used to work in, in a, for a business that did legal software, property software, but also did general commercial and did a lot of builders' merchants. Um, and I remember chatting. I was working late one night. I, I don't know. I was in my early to mid-30s. Um I was chatting to this guy and he said to me, um, and I was talking about, you know, I, I don't know what was next for me and things like that. And he said to me, Are you sure you want to own your own business before you're 40? You need to have some experience in what you're doing. And you've not, you've, I, sorry, not experience what you're doing, but you've got to build experience in business and in life before making that step. And, you know, there's some phenomenal businessmen who are younger than 40, and I'm not suggesting that it's the same for everyone. But certainly for me, I certainly for me, I, I you know, I I don't think I would have done anything differently if I if I'd had a different path. I mean, I, to to be fair, my path has almost been. I say to people, I've been lucky, and they and they say, "Well, you've made your own luck though, and you've you've done things to make it happen." And and that may be, but I, but but I was in the right place at the right time for CPL anyway. So yeah, yeah.
1: It uh, takes a lot of guts, I think, and to actually say that. I, th- I think that's the situation for right place, right time. And I think for me, yeah, the right time, because now anybody setting up a business, if you wanted to set up a burger joint, you're not going to have a massive success against giants like McDonald's, you know, so all of those businesses that are now, you know, global corporations have all started around the same time and have all, you know, sort of snowballed. So I suppose it's it just depends if you get in at the start and things like that, doesn't it? But I mean, um, the- but at the same time, a lot of people could be in that, but they don't have the resilience or the personality or the the risk-taking, you know, or anything like that. So it's, it's – yeah, it, I- but a lot of people, I, I think, certainly having worked in the sort of startup space for a while, a lot of people – there's maybe a bit of unwillingness to acknowledge that you know the time and, and the situation and and um has a lot to do with people's success. So that's something that a uh, philosopher Alan de Boton talks about. Um it was him that I saw talking about it from the school of life, um, which I found quite interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, no, um, no, I don't know. You know, I think the risk-averse thing is the is the is the right situation, or the right thing to talk about. Because my, my father was a massively intelligent man, and and had a lot of opportunities over his 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 career to 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 go out on his own or or to go do other things. And he did, never did. He worked for the same company his entire life. And he and when when I started my own business, he was like, "Sure, you want to do this?" And He was, he you know, every time I saw him, he would go, you know are you going exercise? Should you not be working? Or have you got enough money and, and all of this sort of stuff? And, and, and he, and he put it down to two things. Um, his, his personality. He said that, that, that he, he thinks my personality is far different to his and my attitude can kind of get up and go and, and want to make a success. But the other thing he said was, you know, you're willing to take risks, and and comes back to that whole failing thing. I mean, you know, you know, um, because we've had a conversation, and you've you've you were there at the time or around CPL at the time. But you know, I put money into something that that failed, and you know, what did I learn from it? A huge amount, you know, and and and, but if you don't try. You know, you don't, you're not, you're not going to, you're not going to do it, but you know, there are just, dis- I mean, there's people disrupting markets all over the world, you know, and and, and a lot of people. So, you know, and and Scotland's a, a great place as well for innovation and there's a huge amount of startups um, um, and especially in tech. Yeah. Which is, which is hugely fascinating for me as well. So, um, so yeah, I think, um, I think, You've got to have a set I, I if you're risk averse, yeah, and I'm not, then then um then I, I think these sort of things may challenge you. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was actually, well, fortunate, unfortunate. I was when I started um, CPL, I was single, yeah. I had two children, but I was I was single. So I, I I'm not convinced to this day if I'd still be married I would have done this. Yeah, I really have no idea whether I would. I think I I think I would have taken the risk myself, but I'm not so convinced I wouldn't have been convinced otherwise. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cool. So if you were going to write a book about leadership, what would it be called and what would be your message?
0: Uh, can I swear? You can bleep this bit. Get over your fucking self. I think, <laughs> because because I I have them. I mean, we've talked, spoken about this, and I've spoken about this many times about having imposter syndrome and 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 these sort of things. And, and and also, um, I don't. I think you don't. You just need to be you. We spoke. We spoke about Clifton. We spoke about um, um, everyone being unique. Okay, and there is no set rules in this world. Yeah, I don't have a degree. Um, I didn't do very well at school. I did go to college and get a diploma in computing and was a developer for a period of time. I wasn't a very good developer, um, which tend to be why I sort of um migrated to the business side. Um, but you, you anybody or everybody is capable of making a difference, yeah. And and sometimes you've just got to. I, I used this phrase the other day as well. And we and, and I apologize if you don't like swearing, whoever's listening, but I do swear a lot. Sometimes you've just got to fucking do it. Yeah. And and that's one of my biggest challenges with business. It's inertia. It's, it's procrastination and things not happening quick enough. Um, so I think, I think I would write a book about whoever you are, you you, you have the ability to run your own business and be successful or, or be successful and not run your own business. Um, Whoever anybody has the ability to do it. But it's all about making sure things happen. Yeah. And making sure you and making sure you know where you want to get to, and then just work back from there. Be a pretty short book, but then <laughs> writing a writing, writing vocabulary is not my forte.
1: Yet. <laughs> uh... <laughs> So how has your ability to deal with difficult situations changed over the years, has it?
0: Um, yeah, yeah. I think I'm, I, I, I used to be a really, really intolerant person and I really did not suffer fools gladly um, at all. Um, and I think if you ask my other half, she'd probably say I'm pretty, still pretty intolerant. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I think, you know, my, my view of the world has changed massively in the last kind of five or six years um, maybe it's maybe it's age. I don't know, um, but but I, I I certainly I certainly deal with difficult situations from a far more pragmatic point of view now. Don't get me wrong; I catastrophize and I um, spiral when 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 shit happens. Um, but I think it's just honesty. Um, um, you know, it's just it's all about. Just having a conversation and 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 resolving the issue, you know, if it's a client, just solve it. If it's an employee and they're not and it's not working out, just deal with it, you know. Um, Whereas I probably didn't approach it that way before. I mean, I'm not a lover of difficult conversations. I mean, I'll I'll have them, but you know, it's not something I massively enjoy doing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Um, but but it but you just got to do it. It comes back to the book. Just fucking do it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so what's next for brian welsh
0: uh good question good question um okay so i you know i i've, I've got what well, i've involved in about three or four different things at the moment and i i'm 52 years of age I, I don't think i'm i wouldn't like to think i'm finished i think i've got a couple more in me um a couple more businesses or possibly I love coaching. I do peer coaching within within um, within Insight, and actually, we should really we should l- really look at doing that within CPL as well. I, I really enjoy that, and I really enjoy doing coaching sessions from a Clifton point of view as well. But but not but more from a how does it affect business point of view rather than just for coaching um, point of view. So so either another. Not necessarily a startup, maybe something that I can get involved in that's still that's already been going. Because you know, I've my my role over the last couple of years has, has very much changed in CPL and and in Insight to be more of a strategic kind of growth um, kind of role. Um, and I would, I'd like to think that that can give other businesses some value. So um, maybe a bit of non exec work, I'd enjoy that um maybe just a bit of coaching from you know exec coaching and these sort of things because the problem is when you're in it it's so difficult to see it yeah whereas if someone is standing on the outside challenging and probing and asking the right questions i mean it's bloody uncomfortable sometimes you know being asked difficult questions about your business because you know what does that person know about my business how can they come in and ask me these questions but um but that's the sort of stuff I enjoy. I, I enjoy, I enjoy kind of finding an issue and making a difference. Well, significance is high in my Clifton strengths, and that's all about making a difference. So I I enjoy uncovering problems and solving them, and you know, in in business and these sort of things. So yeah, I, I think I probably got one or two left in me um, before I go and play golf very badly for the rest of my life as I've been playing it for the last 35 years badly. Um, but also, yeah, a bit of non exact work would be, good, would be good fun. I'd love to be able to add value to to a business that's already running. I think it would probably be in tech, to be honest. Tech is where I've always lived. It's where anything I've been involved in has been. Um, so I probably wouldn't move out of that um, unless someone really did twist my arm on my back.
1: Great. So finally, who are the three people who have been the most influential to you and why?
0: Um, that is a very, very, very good question. Um, okay. Um, I, I had a, I, I'll not mention any names in this one, but I had a boss who I worked for um, a number of years ago. I only worked for him about three years. He bought the business that I... I worked in and I and and I then once he bought that I ran that business um, uh, for a period of time Um, and he taught he taught me he taught me a huge amount about what make people what makes people tick Um, and he was a I mean he was an old traditional guy I mean I don't know what what age he would be now probably in his mid seventies mid late seventies and he taught me yeah he taught me a huge amount about what what makes people tick? He taught me a huge amount about business. I mean, I worked for fifteen years for someone who owned their own business, and 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 I, and, and I worked for them, and I, I kind of took that business over when he, when he sold. But then I got exposed to this kind of larger company, and then when that one was sold, I I, I worked for the fifth biggest software company in the UK at the time, um, which which. Told me that I didn't want to be in the corporate world and I wanted to go back to smaller businesses, which is why I started CPL. But he was, he was hugely influential in my in my understanding of business. Yeah. Um number two, number three is gonna be a difficult one, by the way. Number two, um, my business coach, actually, who I've who I've been, he's been my business coach since COVID started, I guess. Um, and I never thought I needed a business coach. I never, never thought that I would needed it or or or, or anything like that. And he opened my eyes to a huge amount of things and challenges me on it every two weeks and in um, in how I approach things. And and he's in fact, it's him that's convinced me to do bloody podcasts by video because audio's. Audio is fine for me, but anyway. So this might be the only one we ever do, Jax. Yeah, <laughs> he, he, he's pushed me to do a, a number of a number of things, and and also to think about um, what I want and 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 these sort of things. And yeah, he's been he's been hugely um, hugely influential in in the last couple of years. So, and and yeah, made me think about all sorts of things. And in fact, it's funny because. Um, he asked me a question when, when I first, or we discussed something when we, when I first started dealing with him, and it was like, do you think you're the finished article? And I went, God, no. You know, I learn something every single day. But you'd be amazed the amount of people that I've asked that question to, and they've said yes. And and, and that to me is like, oh, my God. So you, you never, you do not think you can ever be different or better than you are today or or. Or you're so arrogant to think you are the best, and 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 he's opened my eyes to. And it was him that introduced me to Clifton in the real way, um, and he's massively opened my eyes to um, to these to, to to these sort of things. And and yeah, and, and, and I continue to I continue to um, to have a session with him every two weeks. And um, um, yeah, yeah. Apart from his annoying that he manages to play golf. Four times a week, and I never get to play hardly at all. But anyway. <laughs> and thirdly, right, this is difficult. I see because you know there's been hugely influential people um, in my life, my parents, um, um, from 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 various kind of um, things. You know, my other half, and you know, various friends. But actually, um, the other person that this, this this really did blow my mind. Okay. So because my twin brother Andrew, Andrew's a sales director in the in in the water industry and he, he works in corporate and he absolutely loves it. Yeah. Stands up in front of hundreds of people and and talks, which as you know, Jax, is not something I could do. In fact, this is even a stretch for me. So um so um but and the the, the thing that blew my mind was how can he's my we're not identical twins medically, okay, but we do look very alike. And um and we've grown up in in pretty much same environment, you know, everything like that. Our Clifton strengths could not be any more different. Yeah. They are entirely, entirely different. And he understands more about culture and teams and, um, and, everything that surrounds these sort of things, he, he, far better than me. And he spends a lot of time um, driving up and down the road from Scotland to England, because I think most of his business is in England. And we chat on the phone a huge amount uh, about, you know, culture and people and getting the best out of your people. And and, and I, he, I, he he just, he teaches me so much. And it, I mean, that's that just comes naturally to him. Yeah. Whereas it's really something that I need to work at. Um, so yeah it's um, it is unbelievable and we have more time now because he drives the electric bloody car so he has to sit in a service station for half an hour charge the damn thing
1: it's so. <laughs> funny I wind
0: him uh, up about a lot so.
1: I don't know if you've heard of someone called Gabor Mate nope. he's a doctor and psychologist um, I saw a post actually on Instagram this morning he was being asked about Siblings and how brothers and sisters who have the exact same parents in the exact same household can be so different. Um, but someone had asked about how does that work with twins and identical twins? So it's interesting that you've you've mentioned yeah, that. We're not
0: we're not identical medically, but, uh, yeah. but we are. But we, have, but we had the same. I mean, I always. I mean, everybody's this. Everybody's different. I mean, my eldest son is doing a master's in AI at Edinburgh. My youngest son's in the army in Portsmouth. Two entirely different people, and you know, and, and it always does amaze me. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, I work in tech. Andrew's an engineer. My father was both. both my father and my twin brother were electrical engineers. or are electrical engineers. Um, so I guess engineering and tech is is reasonably close. But but yeah, it does utterly amaze me how 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 unique and different people are.
1: Yeah excellent thanks for that so final question then what is your favorite leadership book
0: okay so okay this is this is this I have I have many and actually I hadn't read a leadership book or many until um until I met my business coach Oliver Hill um, and he got me into reading a, a whole raft and in fact we have a I have a morning routine where I I kind of read um, um and, uh, chapters of a book and um I think there's 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 a number of books that, that have that have that I've 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 read that have been useful. But the first one is is um, well actually there's three books in the series, but it's a book called Metronomics, and it's about how you structure your business for growth and how you um, and all of the things that you um that you put into your into your strategic plan um, for. Um, for growing a business. So it talks about, and, and, and it brings together lots of concepts um, from other books and other um, kind of um, very successful um, public speakers and, 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 and leadership book or book authors. Um, so it talks about having a BHAG, so a big, hairy, audacious goal. Where does your business want to be in 10 years' time? So that's actually, that was, that phrase was called my uncle Jim Collins. Um and so Microsoft's big hairy audacious goal um 30 years ago was to have a, a PC on every in every home, not on every desk, in every home. So you know they obviously achieved that. Um so what is your B hack? But then okay, so 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 that's 10, 15 years out. So that's gotta be, you know, it's not gonna be exact and there's not gonna be a huge amount of detail around it, but it's a but it's a goal. But then it brings this thing called a three-hag, so your three-year 3, three year highly achievable goal, and, and then your one-hag, so your one-year highly achievable goal. Um, and so you you say, this is where I want to be, and then you work out everything that you need to do to get there. And then you think about the next 90 days. So every quarter, again, every quarter, what am I going to do in the next 90 days that's going to take me to my one-hag and my three-hag? Um, you know, And then you look at... All of the functions within your organization, and you say, okay, so what KPIs do we have in each of these areas? And you set up your KPIs and look at your metrics, and then you see based on the metrics what part of your business is green, amber, or red, and all these sort of things. And, and 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 I find it fascinating. It's a structure, I love it, it works. Um, and yeah, I, I just I just I, I could I could read about it all day and work with it all day. In fact, we did Insight Legal use it and um, and CPL use it as well. And in fact, Insight had a growth coach for a couple of years, and I've just taken over facilitating those sessions um, and, and 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 acting as 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 coach f- to take that business on its on its on its journey. And and I, I love it. I find it utterly fascinating. But I do love data and I love metrics and these sort of things. And I love a plan. So, so that's that book. The other one, actually, this this one, I could come up with about four or five different ones. But in fact, James Grove mentioned this one about his favorite leadership book, and he he lives his life by it. And um, my business partner, the CEO of Insight, um, Tim Smith, lives his life by Radical Candor by Kim Scott. Yeah, and that is that's that has some fundamentally great things in that book. You know, it's all about how to treat people. And it's like, so praise in, in praise in public, criticize in private, you know, how many times you've been sitting in a room when someone's boss comes in and bollocks them right in front of everyone. The only person that's feeling good about that's your boss. Really? That's not good. You know? So a huge amount of stuff in that, in that book. And she talks about, she talks about when she failed to fire someone very early on in, 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 um, in her career, or not fire them, move them on. Because at the end of the day, they, they're just not good with you. They could be great somewhere else. But keeping them, it's not doing you any good, not doing them any good, not doing our teammates any good. So I find that book fascinating. But to be honest, I could have picked Daniel Daniel Pink's Drive. Another one is fascinating. The Slight Edge is a, a great one from Anatomic Habits for for habit stacking, these sort of things. But um, And The Five Dysfunctions of a Team... Lencioni, that's an interesting challenge. I challenge every, any business leader to go and read that and then do the exercises and it's all about cohesive exec teams. If you've not got a cohesive team at the top of your business no matter what you do, you're not going to be successful. You need need cohesion to to allow you to be absolutely honest with each other to to move a business on. So, So there you go. Not one, I
1: mentioned four. (laughs) <laughs>
0: 21. <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: you know, at the end of the day, and
0: I, I continue to read them as well. One thing I did make a decision about, though, about eight, nine months ago is not to keep reading, is just to take those course. So I've probably got about 10 core books, and I'd probably just read them all again just to make sure that that's – because, you know, a lot of them is a, is a variation on, on the same theme, Yeah. Um, um or not the same thing but but variations of a theme. Um so so to me, have your core ones that that that, that get you success in your in your own life, success in your development and success in your business life and, and that to me is the way to do it.
1: Super. Thank you so much. I think that's us done.
0: Thank you.